Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. This is my favorite week of the year. This is Holy Week. This is the week that we just ought to pause and think about what this week really means to us. And today especially, on the cross. Words from the cross. There were two thieves that day. One was on that side, one was on this side. And Jesus spoke to one of them. And what he said is the only thing Jesus said from the cross that was directed just to an individual. That thief had never been to church or synagogue. Never been. He had never followed Jesus. He had never contributed. He had never been a part of the disciples. I mean, this guy was a thief, a robber. But he was the only one who stood up for Jesus that day. And that day, his world changed. And because his world changed, I want yours to change today. I'm reading from the Gospel of Luke. The story of those thieves, you'll find it in chapter 23. We're going to read verse 32 just to kind of get the the context, and then we skip down and we'll get to verse 39 and read from there. So you, uh, if you're at home, I want you to maybe get a copy of the Word open on your phone or somewhere and in the room. Join me as I read. You'll be following along silently, but let's start in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. They're called criminals. They weren't deacons. Well, as far as we know, they, uh, they, were, they weren't good people. They were bad people. Now watch this. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. But the other rebuked him, saying, don't you fear God? You're under the same sentence of condemnation. And we, talking about the thieves on either side, we're hanging here justly for receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Wow. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered one of them, this one. And he looked at him and said, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me today in paradise. May the Lord add his blessing to the word. I've always believed the cross divides history. It divides eternity. It divides destiny. You're on one side or the other. You're looking at Jesus like that. Or you're over here. Now, 
The one thing we have in common, they were both sinners. They were both criminals. They both deserved to be there. The one in the middle, nope. He didn't deserve to be there. But from that point, it got very different. One was looking at the cross, and he was simply saying, save me. Get me out of here. I don't deserve to be here. The other said, no, I deserve to be here. Remember me. One of them over here sees only himself. The other saw Jesus. One dies in rebellion. One dies in faith. One raises his voice in anger. This one raises his voice in surrender. He says, I don't deserve to die. This one said, I don't deserve to live. And that cross had on either side a picture of humanity. And that scene has influenced and impacted people through the ages. In fact, in 1653, a Dutch artist named Rembrandt painted, but it wasn't really a painting mechanism, uh, way of doing it. It was etching. And he made a drawing of this scene. I want you to look. Now, this is 1653. I want you to look how he portrayed one of those criminals. He does it with light. You see the one on the right side of the screen? Obviously the one who died in faith. Obviously the one on the left is the other criminal. So everyone has seen this, and, and they, they've had to think about it. So what did they have to say to Jesus that day? What would you say? Think about it. Put yourself, because we, this is our cross. What would you be saying to him? Well, that one over there, get me out of here. Hey, save us. Save yourself and get me out of here. So in other words, uh, Jesus, because you really are all-powerful, can't you meet my needs? Can I tell you something? Jesus didn't come to meet your needs. He came to save you. He came to change your life. He came to transform you into the image of the one God created to give him the greatest glory on this earth. That's why he came. The one on that side says, um, hey, can you save me for me? He didn't come to save us for us. He came to save us from us. The one on the other side what can you do for me? That's not the question. The question is, what can I do for him? And only one of them understood it that day. The one on this side said something very different. So what did he do? Well, the first thing, he rebuked the other one. I mean, literally got on the other one and said, man, do you know, do you, you know who you're talking to? This man is innocent. He hadn't done anything. And we're under the same condemnation, and he is too, but he did nothing. He also knew he deserved to be there. 
He, he knew Jesus didn't deserve to be there. And he knew Jesus was a king. And he knew he had a kingdom. He, he just probably didn't know exactly where that kingdom was. But he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, I want to tell you something really interesting. According to Matthew's gospel, chapter 27, verse 44, that, this thief over here, at first, reviled Jesus. At first, he joined the other one in mocking and making statements about Jesus. So something happened from the time he went on that cross until these moments and this exchange happened. Let me tell you what happened. The cross. A man hanging on the cross who somehow was the glory of God there. And even that man said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I would imagine when everything started happening and the earth shook and it grew dark, I, mean, I would imagine all of that got his attention to the point of he's saying, this man is a king. And his only answer to that king was not a stained glass homily. It was not, I deserve, I deserve to live. Let me tell you why I didn't do it or whatever. No, no, all he did was remember me. It was a cry for mercy. I just wonder if after we have celebrated or observed so many Easter's, so many Good Fridays, after we've sung about this cross and we've talked about this cross for years and years, some of us in this room, some of you who are streaming, is it possible that the Holy Cross has become common? It's no big deal. Is it possible that it's just taken for granted? We've lost the awe. We've lost the wonder of the cross. I know you probably don't remember him. It was a, it was a guy back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s that just felt called of God to pick up a cross and carry it. His name was Arthur Blessed. And he built this cross. It was 12 feet tall, weighed about 40 pounds, and he carried it over 43,000 miles. And, and he started in Hollywood, of all places. That's where he took his first step. You can see the picture there. And uh, I remember meeting him. He was quite a character. But he went all over. He, he went to 296 nations carrying that cross. And of course, he would preach the gospel as he carried it. He was arrested 24 times, put in prison 24 times. He went to 50 countries that were actually at war when he went in. But to, you, to me, the most startling thing about Arthur Blessed carrying that cross, he said over half the churches that he talked to and asked permission to leave his cross inside their building overnight, denied him. Denied him. But listen to this. Not a single bar or club ever denied having the cross overnight. That's over 33 years. Why would the church deny the cross? Now, I know it was a physical cross, and it, Arthur was crazy. I mean, he was crazy for Jesus. 
But is it possible? Is it possible that we in the church are so used to the cross that it doesn't have the same meaning? I pray it never loses its wonder. And as long as I've been able to recall it, my favorite hymn are those words, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my song will ever be. I pray I will never lose the wonder of that cross. I'll be like this thief because I too am a sinner. And I'll be like this thief and I'll be asking for mercy, not demanding anything. He owes me nothing. But in mercy, Jesus, would you remember me? Do you know the greatest miracle that happened that day on the cross was not that the heavens grew dark and the earth shook? And the dead, literally dead, came back to life. I mean, that's a pretty big miracle. Let me tell you, the greatest miracle of all is that Jesus forgave his sin. That Jesus said today, you're going to be with me in paradise. So let's look at what Jesus said. By the way, he didn't answer that guy. He only answered this one. And what did he say to him? Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, those of you that grew up in the church, if, if you've ever read a version of the Bible called the King James, you know that truly is really barely, barely. Barely, barely. Now, what's interesting, that, that is used 76 times in the New Testament, only by Jesus. You never heard Peter go barely, barely. Nope, not Peter. It's Jesus always. Every time it's used in the New Testament, whatever follows barely, barely, it's very important. In fact, it's very important. It's like your mom or your daddy calling your middle name. Yep, I've heard barely, barely, David, Franklin. Jesus said, barely, barely, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, I won't bore you with the details, but there's been some debate on, was Jesus referring to that day? Or was he saying, today, I tell you, you're going to be in paradise with me one day. Let me tell you exactly what he said. He's saying, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Not one day. That thief was dying that day along with Jesus. And his promise was, you're going to be with me today. You know what? I believe with all my heart, the moment we close our eyes in the sleep of death, we open them and there he is. We don't go. We don't go into holding chambers. We don't follow two guys in a white robe up an escalator. Come on. We don't follow somebody yelling, follow the light. Everywhere this book teaches death and teaches what happens after it, it teaches Jesus will be there to welcome us. And then you're probably sitting there going, well, that's a nice thought. Well, let me tell you when it's a really nice thought, when you're laying there about to go into an eight-hour surgery on your heart. And I'm laying there thinking to myself, you know what? Rachel's by my side. If I don't wake up, I get to see Jesus today. I get to see Jesus today. I, I mean, come on, how bad is that? 
I get to see Jesus. I won't have to drive I-4 anymore. I'll get to see Jesus today. I mean, that's awesome. That's the promise. Today, you'll be with me. Now, I get this question all the time. Where's heaven? Do I, do I point up? Well, if I'm in China, I'll be pointing down. I mean, come on, where, how do you point where heaven is? I'll tell you the answer where heaven is, wherever Jesus is, that's heaven. Wherever Jesus is, is enough for me. And that's exactly what Jesus promises in this book. He says, you'll be with me. You'll be with me. And he calls it paradise. Always when I get a call back from Louisiana or back from Arkansas, I always answer, when they say, how you doing? Oh, man, it's another day in paradise down here. <laughs> While they're having ice storms, it's another day in paradise. When it's July and August and I'm about to burn up, not so sure about paradise, but listen to me, paradise, what does it mean? It means heaven. It's literally the term for a garden. I think it's a reference to the Garden of Eden. It's only used three times in the New Testament. One is here. One is Paul said he got caught up in the third heaven, and he saw paradise, which is heaven. And the other one is in Revelation, where Jesus promises the church at Ephesus, if they'll be faithful, they're going to get to eat of that tree, Chick-fil-A, no, the tree, in paradise. So in other words, paradise is heaven. So Jesus tells this thief, Today, I'm going to take your hand. I'm going to walk you in home. You'll be home. You'll be home. So I got a question for you. Which side of the cross are you on today? Which side are you on? Are you over here? It's all about me. I just need Jesus to get me out of a bind every now and then. I've had people tell me, oh, well, Jesus is just for people who, who can't think for themselves. Oh, yeah, people with pseudo-intellectuals, they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I don't need faith. If you got brains, you don't have to rely on faith. That's just a crutch. Well, that's what this side is like. This side is also like somebody that just doesn't think about it. Which side are you on today? This side? You just simply have one cry. Be merciful. You admit, I'm messed up. I know who I am, but I know who you are. And I know what I need to do. Believe. So, what are you asking today? Which side are you on? And the second question, what's he saying to you? What's he saying to you? I can tell you, I summed it up in three things that he's saying to the thief here and to all of us in the sound of my voice streaming or in the room. Here's what he's saying. Number one, it's not too late. Do you hear me? Can you hear me? I know I can't see you on the stream, but it, I think you can hear me. Can you hear me in the room? Well, you know what that tells me? It tells me your heart's still beating and you're still alive. And I can tell you on the authority of this book, it is not too late for you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If it were too late, if it were too late, I'd tell you. He said, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. No, I don't know what you've done, but I know what he did. And it's not too late. 
I believe that with all my heart. You know what else? Number two, quit trying to fix yourself. Turn to Him. Turn to Him. That's the biblical word for repent. Repent just means you're going one way and you realize this ain't working, and you turn. Turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I, I've tried. I can't fix my life. No, you can't. But he can't. And the last thing he's saying, believe in me. Believe in me. The Bible says if you believe in him, you will be saved. The Bible says if you believe in him, you'll have everlasting life. What does that mean? Believe in him. Now, it doesn't just mean intellectually, I, I believe that he existed. No, 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 no. I believe in him. That means I give him my life. It's like me believing this stage is going to hold me up. It's like me believing this chair is going to hold me up. Put your whole life in his hands. Believe in him. And you know what he'll promise you? One day you're going to see him. One day he'll be waiting on you. Don't be afraid of death. No, nobody wants to, to go. You'd be crazy. But I tell you what makes going a lot easier when I know what's on the other side is Jesus of Nazareth. That makes it okay. That's the promise he gives every one of us who believe in him. So about 10 years ago, it was a Saturday night service, and I had done something to my knee that day. I don't know what I'd done, but I was hurting. But I knew after service I had to go somewhere because I got a call from one of our ladies who was here every weekend at 8.30, sat right over there on that balcony. And she said, David, I need you to come to the house. Her husband was Ed. Ed's going to die today, they told me, and I don't know if he's ready. And she's German, and, and you can hear it in her voice, and he was German, and so it, it's, it's just kind of, I always love talking to her just because I love the accent. Kind of sounds like Arkansas. But anyway, it, it was just an encouragement to me. I, I told her, I said, I'll be there when I can, but I've got, I've got church, and then, then I'll drive. And they lived in Lake Mary, Heathrow area. On the way out, I called her, and I said, what's the deal? She said, he's, he's in a coma. The nurse said he's so deep in a coma that he can't even move his eyes. I mean, he can't move anything. He's just gone. I said, but he's still breathing. Yeah. I got there and I walked in. The family's all there. And I walked over to him and because I knew him. He had been coming here early on in his life. He had no, no time for Jesus. Thought Jesus was a waste. But he had started coming to church a little bit. And I stood over him and I said, he was in a, a hospital bed there. Hospice care was taking care of him. And I, I said, Ed, is Pastor David here? I know you can't respond, but I, I just have to believe you make and hear me. And Ed, I really believe it's not too late for you, and I, I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to just talk to you a minute. And I, guys, I led him through just a simple, you believe that Jesus came and died for your sin on the cross to remove your sin and forgive you of your sin and literally to open a way for you to know your Creator and not only to know Him, but to go and live with Him forever one day when you die. And I said, Ed, you believe that? I want to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to believe. I want you to put your life in his hands. 
You may not have much time left, but just put whatever you've got left in his hands. And I remember praying, and of course, he's in a coma. He's not, nothing's moving. And when I finished the prayer, I said, well, that's, I, I just trust he heard me. And I was about to walk away, and his grandson looked at his grandfather and said, if you prayed that prayer with Pastor David, raise your hand. Now, I'm thinking, he's in a coma. He can't even move an eyelid. How's he going to raise his hand? The next thing I'll never, never forget. We're just standing there, and all of a sudden, he didn't raise a hand. He raised two of them. And everybody in the room, we just lost it. Within an hour, Jesus had walked him home, and he was in heaven. Now, let me tell you. I believe that. And I believe that thief that day went to paradise with Jesus. And I believe today can change everything for you. And so what I'm going to ask you, which side of the cross are you on? And you may be on that side, but you really want to be on this side. It's real simple. Believe. And I want to lead you in the prayer that I really, really think is a prayer of Jesus, remember me, save me. So if you're at home, I just want you to pause for a moment. Here, can we bow our heads just for a second? So as your head's bowed and as you're, as you're listening, I, I'm going to ask you to do something really crazy. I'm going to lead you in that prayer. And then if that's the moment you truly believe for the first time, I'm going to ask you to do what Ed did. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. But first, let's just call on him. Would you tell him this? Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you came and died on a cross for me. I believe you were buried and walked out of the grave. And Jesus, I believe you are the Christ. And you'll be coming again soon. I believe. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, if you prayed that, if you today are really taking that step, I believe I want you to raise your hands. In the same way that man close to death raised his hands, just raise your hands. Wow. All over this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Jesus, you see every one of these hands. You don't have to see our hands. You know our heart. Thank you for saving us. And I know one day we have so much to look forward to when we see you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. So that we could have life eternal. In Jesus' name, amen. Look this way. Can we give thanks for everyone who lifted their hands? What an amazing look. So why don't we do this? If you prayed that prayer and you raised your hands, even if you didn't raise your hands, but you prayed, listen, we want to help you. We want to encourage you. That's why we exist, literally. 
is to help one another become what Jesus created us to be. And we want to do it. We can do it through reaching out through you, to you through an email, through a phone call. The way you do it is just text us the word BELIEVE, okay? BELIEVE to 40777 online. Text that word. And also, once you put it in the chat online, that today you raised your hands. Just don't be ashamed. If a man in his dying breath could lift his hand, surely we who are filled with the breath that God has given us can say, I'm not ashamed. We know why they call it Good Friday. Because that's the day a Savior gave his life to save us all. May God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.